Oh my God, I'm chilling. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? Hey everyone. Hey everyone. What's up? This is Rachel. This is Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime, hate people, love a plot twist. Everyone sucks. I don't know. You know, you know, you know the spiel by this point. And if you're new here, we, yeah, that. We love a plot twist, love a shot factor. We love a, oh, didn't see that coming moment. And we try to give you at least one per episode. We hate old Tommy murders. They're not fun to for us. I mean, well, nothing is fun. They're not interesting to us. I'm sorry. Look, that's what they did back then. And that's that. Yeah. So there it is. And if you're new here, hey, thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. So I'm going to jump in real quick. This is Rachel. We, as you may or may not remember, depending on when you started listening, took January off to kind of catch up. And so with that, we like got a bunch of murders or not murders necessarily got a bunch of stories under our belts, um, recorded them, released, scheduled them out like we were on it. But we've since realized that sometimes it makes the topics we want to discuss at the jump a little dated by the time it airs. We don't like that. Yeah, it's annoying. So if you've heard the past couple of episodes and you're like, what, like the last episode when I started talking about Robert Redford, I was like, wait, I did that in this episode. Like, wow, am I just now bringing this up? And the and the ears of a listener, you would think that. And I was like, shit, okay, we need to like, we do need to record closer to when they're going to release. Right. We we know that now. Well, I'm sorry, because we also don't want to, like, we do want to talk about some topical stuff and not be held back by when it's going to be released. For instance, I was going to talk about a couple episodes ago, the Madeline McCann, Julia Wendell thing, where this girl in Poland thinks she may be Madeline McCann. By now, y'all definitely heard of this. But we started talking about it and Rebecca was like, well, this isn't going to air till like, late March. So it's everyone, it's gonna be old news by then. I was like, wait, we need to be able to talk about like true crime stuff at the top. I know. So we're gonna try to record like record only like a week in advance. So we're all up to date because it's obnoxious to hear. Mm -hmm. And to hear us constantly be like, well, this will be recorded. It may, may, may. That's probably why we got that one bad review. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've gotten, I think, two one stars. Uh, they didn't leave feedback, but this person did and said that we talk way too much in the stories and we're too giggly, but the stories would be great to listen to if we didn't insert such ridiculous comments. He's, they still gave us a three star, so not a one star. Not, I guess he liked the story. He or she liked the stories. Um, now, all I hear when I re-listen to episodes is how giggly we are. And I'm like, oh shit, you might be right. I, I want to eliminate that word out of everyone's <laughs> vocabulary. That is giggly, giggly gals. Uh, okay, I'll, that's going to be all I hear too. All right, well, what, what do y'all think? Are we giggly? I just thought I laugh when something's funny. Maybe sometimes, not. Sometimes I nervous laugh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. We like feedback. Let us know. Okay. We have, oh, actually, I want to shout this real quick. And a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how ending it for us is so awkward. And we were like, we need an outro. Someone write us one. Here's the thing. We used to. And well, thank you for everyone who submitted outros to us. Oh, my God. We got a ton. I was like, oh, I forgot we even like put that out there. 
And we really appreciate it. I love when y'all engage us. It's so fun. No, I love to get to know y'all. Totally. We used to, in the early eps, end it with y'all the best people are the worst. And I actually, that's actually my favorite. That's how I always want to end them. I guess it's not really an outro that makes it so awkward. It's the fact that we're like chatting at the end of the story. And then we're just, we like, know we need to wrap it up. And we don't know when to insert it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> do we just say it as soon as you're done with the sentence? Be like, okay, well, you are the best people are the worst. But yeah, I kind of do. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll figure fine. it out. It's Maybe fine. you can, we can raise our hands when we're done with our comments. Like that was the last feedback I had to say. And then we can just say it. I don't know. We'll figure well, it out. Whatever. But thanks for everyone who submitted them. Yeah, love them. Very creative. Very creative. Okay, I have Patreon shout outs. Finally, <laughs> when I was re-listening to one of the episodes, we were like, oh, we don't have any. I was like, oh, sad. That's okay. Okay, first, I'm going to go back and shout out two of the earliest patrons, our two older sisters, who called us out recently that we never shout, shouted them out. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. I like went on a research. I was like, it would have been in this episode. And I re-listened. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so Tarver, Lauren, we, hey. we call her Lois. But hey, y'all, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. So supportive, you two. Thanks for all the support. We're sorry we threw you out like yesterday's trash and didn't shout you out early on. So sorry. I think y'all get a custom shout out too. So y'all just let me know. No, I don't think so. I don't think they're third tiers. Oh, and they are, they are bitches. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Who the hell needs you? <laughs> I do. No, Tarver is one because she's she has a custom shout out that she's working on that I know about. Oh, okay. But it was still fun to say. (laughs) Okay. Others, y'all, thank you so much for joining. I'm about to rattle off some names. And then I have a custom one at the end. Bella, Jasmine, Rachel, Sunstars. Well, actually, I'm going to do Sunstars custom shout out now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sunstars is a published author, which is badass. Really badass. It's really badass. You can get her books on Amazon. Just search for Sun Stars. Her name is S-U-N space S-T-A-R-S, like Sun Stars. You get it. Her favorite books are Code Adam and Identity. They're about a young girl being abducted. Code Adam is from the mom's point of view, and Identity picks up years after the abduction. Sounds cool. It sounds, know, cool. It sounds so interesting, and it's right up all of our alleys. Totally. So y'all go check that out. Sunstars, thank you for joining. Thank you. Um, Tori, Allie, LQ, what up? Oh, speaking of LQ, she messaged us and said that we need to look up this guy who went to high school with her mother and repeatedly asked her out on dates, the weepy killer. And I was like, oh my God, I already, yeah, weepy voice killer. I already had him on my list. That story is insane and if she's asking her mom some questions in order to like help out my story but I was planning on doing him like down the road now it might be sooner rather than later this guy is a weirdo oh my god he is on our list I saw it I was gonna say should I have called dubs but never mind I guess you're on it no I I called dubs and I've been like debating if I could do it because I'm like it's gonna require a lot of recordings because he like essentially this premise is he essentially kills someone and then he calls the cops sobbing. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like the, it is weepy is the best way to describe it. 
It's just oh. insane. So keep going. So LQ, who else? Thank okay. you, LQ. I will be touching base with you for Wait, sure. Her mom went out with him? Went to high school with him and he repeatedly asked her out, but I don't know if she said yes. I don't think she did because he was probably freaking weird and cried a lot. Oh, God. Okay. Moving on. We have two uh, two Janes, Jane Ann and Jane. Y'all, hey, thank you. Yeah. Dini 55, welcome. Martha, Shay, Victoria, and Amy. Y'all, that is, that's the most we've ever had. I think, our, I think Amy's our first international, Ireland. Hey, Amy, guess what? In September, I'm coming to Dublin, coming at you. Also, Amy, I got my wedding band made in Dublin. Went there last October and loved it. Or I guess September. Loved Dublin. I got it made there. Felt right at home. That is a cool ass city. And I don't even know if you're in Dublin. <laughs> she, no idea. She uh, is. She is? Oh, okay. Well, mm -hmm. I love your city. Yeah, I'm excited to go this September. So um let's let's I'll do a live show for just you. <laughs> oh my God, how awkward would that be? <laughs> you just meet me at uh insert a bar. Insert um No, I was gonna first thing that came to my head was uh Temple Bar, but that is so touristy and I know. stupid. I know. It's good. Maybe at the Guinness factory and we'll just talk. <laughs> Brazenhead. Also probably very touristy, but that's the oldest bar in Dublin, y'all. Established in 11 something. Yeah. Badass. It's, it's on our list. Don't you worry. Anyway, welcome. Thank you. First International. Shout out. Yeah. We're going to send you a free gift. I'm very nervous about the shipping on that one. Nah, it'll be fun. Worth it. Worth it, girl. Well, all right. I think we are probably less than 10 minutes in. So, <laughs> so let's get in our story let's. before we piss someone else off. I know. I get it, though. Listen, I do. I get so it, too. People have different vibes. I like a little chatter. Not everyone does. Tell us. Love it. Yeah, please. Today, I, Rachel, second born identical twin, is telling Rebecca, my older sister, about Kay Parsons. You know what I found that we can be done with is introducing ourselves every five seconds. Oh. So just a little tidbit. Here, here's a little feedback for you. Well, go leave a review on Apple. Okay, no problem. I don't know Kay Parsons, but I can't wait to hear about her. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sources are ABC News, Dateline, Augusta Chronicle, Murderpedia, and Snapped. As in Augusta, Georgia? Yep. Oh, my husband's from there. Well, I, I touch on that. Calm down. So is yours. So is mine. Okay. Kay okay. and David Parsons moved to Grovetown, Georgia in 2005 with their son. Grovetown is right outside of Augusta. Here was my fun fact that both of our husbands are from Augusta. They grew up together, but we met them separately. Is that A decade weird? apart. A decade apart. Yeah. I knew Rebecca's husband before she did because I was dating his friend slash married to his friend for 10 years before... Rebecca yeah. even met him at a restaurant in Charlotte. So uh, yeah, I was at a bar in Charlotte and he came out and was like, Rachel, where's Payne? And I was like, oh yeah. What? I was like, no, I'm not. I'm her twin sister. Who the hell are you? That's right. And she was and like, she's... yeah. He was like, she has a twin. I had no idea. Oh, I'm Barrett Blackstock. Your future husband. <sighs> she sent us a picture. I was like, oh my God, Barrett. What's up? How funny. Funny. Anyway, so Augusta, Georgia. Kay was a devoted wife and mom, very involved in her son's little league, you know, classic suburbia. Mm -hmm. 
next door were Becky and Tony Sears. They had five kids, including two older kids from Becky's previous marriage. The Parsons and Sears became really close. Becky and Kay were best friends. The kids were best friends. They all took vacations together. Becky and Kay even started working in the same physical therapist's office together. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm trying not to look at you. What? What? This is what they're talking about. We're not even two paragraphs in and you're you're giggling is what you're doing. <laughs> this is what he's talking about or she. Oh <laughs> it's because... <laughs> please don't i know i'm sorry i hate this that's that's rebecca that's rebecca sorry you don't like us saying who we are ever i don't know why i don't know why but we just did that for the listeners we decided to cut a sentence that i interrupted and said and for some reason the thought thought of doing it again at the exact same it's, not, it's so not funny. I don't know why. The thought of doing it again at the exact same moment that we are redoing. Just, like how annoying that would have been. You're you're laughing at how obnoxious that would have been. I yeah. And I don't right. know. Maybe it's the pressure not to giggle. It just got to me. I'm like, even crying. Maybe uh, you, need, <laughs> you need to mute your mic. Church giggles. All right. This is what that person's talking about. <laughs> and you don't want to introduce ourselves a hundred times. Well, guess what? That was Rebecca. <laughs> it sure was. That was not Rachel. Thank I'll you so much. Full responsibility. But I don't know why. Just you get random thoughts in the middle of your head and it just cracked me up. All right, keep going. Jesus. Okay. So the families become really close. Their neighbors, Becky and Kay, work, start working in the same physical therapist's office together. They're just tight AF. On March 25th, 2009, David, that's Kay's husband, was in LA on a business trip. So Kay was solo mesh for a few days. That morning, she got up, took her son to school and came back to the house to start her day. She had a contractor named Mitch, who she used pretty regularly, um, coming over to do some repair work on the house. Mitch showed up at 8.30 a.m. and walked to the back of the house to see that the back door was wide open and there was glass shattered everywhere. Kay was supposed to be home, but he said it definitely looked like a break-in, so he stuck his head in and yelled for her, but she didn't answer. So he goes around to the front to call her phone, but no answer, so he leaves her a voicemail. As he's leaving the message, he sees the neighbor, Michael, who is Becky's 20-year-old son, sitting on a rock near the road. Hmm. Michael overheard Mitch's message to Kay and walked over to ask Mitch if the Parsons' house had been broken into because their house had been broken into. Oh, Okay. Mitch is like, oh, shit. So he goes to his truck to get his gun out of his car. As calls, you do in Augusta, Georgia. Duh. And calls 911. Within minutes, cops are there with investigator Jimmy Edmonds of the Columbia County Sheriff's Office. Jimmy Edmonds, not to be confused with Jim Edmonds, former MLB player. Uh-huh. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps best known for being a dick to his ex-wife, who's former Real Housewife of OC, Megan mm -hmm. King Edmund, Edmonds. Remember her? Yeah, but this is completely unrelated, right? Right, but yeah. Jimmy, you don't hear of a Jim Edmonds that much. Sure. Unless, unless it's that one. So okay. Jimmy, the investigator, walks into the house and it's a mess. He walks into Kay's house and it's a mess. It's been ransacked. He looks on the floor and there's a purse, a McDonald's bag, and a spilled cup of coffee. Then he notices blood. Mm. It's splattered on the couch, floors, and walls. And there's a distinct trail. So he starts to follow the trail and it leads to the garage. 
on the door getting out to the garage is a bloody handprint. Mm. Can you imagine being like, oh, God, I don't want to open this door. Yeah. God, people have it so have tough jobs out there. But a bloody handprint is best case scenario. You're like, great. Let me guess. Her. Yeah. Yeah. He goes out there and finds 41-year-old Kay Parsons lying in a pool of blood. Mm -hmm. Based on the scene, they're confident she walked in after dropping her son off and surprised a burglar because she clearly just dropped everything in her hands. The purse, the McDonald's, the coffee was such like oh, all yeah. the horror. Like she was startled. Yeah. Kay and David's bedroom seemed to be the most ransacked and Kay's jewelry was all missing. Uh, so also lends itself to yeah robbery. She had been severely beaten with a hammer and baseball bat, but she was still alive. Oh, God. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No way. They rushed her to the hospital, and Jimmy calls David, her husband, to say he needs to come home ASAP. David books the first flight home, and meanwhile, cops then go to Becky's house. They notice the point of entry and both break-ins are the same. Back door. Oh, uh, Becky, their house had just been broken into, like, that day? Yeah. This is oh. all in one morning. The contractor finds Kay's house like this, is leaving her message, and the neighbor comes over and is like, wait, I just heard that. Our our house was broken into, too. Oh, I thought he meant, like, you know, earlier this week or recently. No. No, no. Okay. He had just gotten there that morning and was like, what's going on? So the at the Sears house, the back is also point of entry was the back door. There are spots of blood on her back door, and her house is also completely ransacked, again, mostly in Tony and Becky's bedroom. And all her jewelry is missing. Mm. So same MO, but nobody's at the Sears house. They determined the blood on her door was from Kay. So the person broke into Kay's house, beat her, and then went to Becky's uh, house. Oh, yeah. The police called Becky at work and told her her house was broken into. So she and their other son, 19-year-old Chris, who was working at Becky's office that day, rushed home. The rest of her family was accounted for. Her husband, Tony, was a long-haul trucker, so he was out of town, and the younger kids were at school and daycare. Good. Yeah, thank God. When they pull up to the house, they see police tape around her house and Kay's house. So Becky goes over to the cops and is like, what the hell is going on? And the cops tell her about Kay, so she rushes to the hospital. Mm. At this point, the prognosis for Kay is really bad. She's on life support, and doctors are, are pretty much waiting for David to get back from L.A. to make some tough decisions. Oh, I know. Kay had a lot of <laughs> defensive wounds, and they find hair under her fingernails. Ooh. So they're like, at least we have some DNA. Yeah. Ultimately, they found out that the guy beat her with the hammer, but there, <sighs> was so, there was so much blood that the hammer slipped out of his hands, so he grabbed a baseball bat that was in the garage. Oh, so, so this is not a burglar gone wrong. The baseball bat was a weapon of opportunity. We'll get did there. He, did he bring the hammer or was the hammer also? Uh, he brought the hammer. Oh, gross. Okay, never mind. What do I know? Yeah. David finally gets there. He's distraught. And by the next day, the doctors tell the family that she's not going to come out of this. So they decide to take her off life support. Oh, poor Kay. I know. Oh, God, Worst way to go. Brutal. Mm. But I'm sticking bad. This was obviously not a robbery because that would be the obvious podcast. And who brings a hammer? If you're a robber, just bring a gun or something. Oh, well, good there. It's Georgia. Anyone can get a gun. My son can get a gun. He's a toddler. <laughs> They're like, do you have good marks at daycare? <laughs> here's here's your AR-15. They wouldn't even ask him that. Yeah. All right. The investigation is on. 
they get a lead that there's a homeless person living in the woods behind their houses. So they start there, but can't find any life, signs of life back there. There's no tents. There's no nothing. Um, okay. It's just empty woods. They're like, whatever. Yeah. Then they go to who in investigator Jimmy refers to as a frequent flyer. So that's someone who is who the cops are very familiar with. They've arrested him a bunch before for like robberies. He lives pretty close to Kay and Becky. So they're like, hey, but he has an alibi, even though he's a diamond level frequent flyer. He has nothing to do with this. Wait, I'm sorry. What's a frequent flyer? That's what they call a repeat Some offender. Yeah, someone they're very familiar oh, with. If there's oh, a that's hilarious. A break in in the neighborhood, they go straight to this guy and they're like, cut it out. Also, they arrest him. But he's <laughs> he's just been arrested by so like he's gonna be the first one we get to. I like that. That's hilarious. Gold yeah. star. Diamond level. Mm -hmm. Um, but he has an alibi. Investigators then turn their attention back to Mitch, the contractor. I mean, he's the one that found the house in disarray. He called 911. So mm -hmm. they're like, is your story true? Is that really how you found the house? Yeah. After questioning, they determined that he's legit. But one thing about his story piques their interest, and that is 20-year-old Michael sitting on a rock in front of the houses. That is weird. It's weird. They think it's a bit sketchy. Why is he out there? So, But his house got broken into. Probably just outside. He doesn't want to be inside, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So Michael tells them that he got to his mom's house around 8.30 a.m., saw that the house was ransacked, immediately called his mom, but I don't think she answered. They thought it was weird that he he called her and not the police. Oh, yeah, that is. Yeah, sure. Also weird was no, there was no forced entry to Becky's house. It was just Kay's house. I do not. This might be the dumb comment, dumb opinions that that person hates, but I do not think that's a smoking gun at all. They don't clarify that Becky's house was locked. It's not like someone used a key. Maybe it was just unlocked. Yeah. Grovetown, Georgia, safe place. Right. Her house was unlocked. Kay's wasn't. I just don't think that's that weird. I know. I was even going to say something like that with the um, calling mom instead of the cops. Well, <clears throat> or at least calling mom first, because a lot of people tend to do that. I feel like, but to never call the police after she doesn't answer, I guess is a little suspect. Well, we don't know how soon after he found yeah. the house to when Mitch found the Mitch, house. Like maybe yeah, yeah. he was about to, and he was like, wait, this right. guy. Yeah, we don't know. They're essentially interested in Michael when they dig into his past, though. He has a history of arrest due to drug charges, especially methadone. Ooh. So they figure maybe he needed some quick cash for drugs. Oh, uh, yeah. They bring him down to the station and ask him point blank. Do you have anything to do with this? Of course, he says no. They then ask when the last time he took methadone was. And he says this morning. Mm -mm. So the morning the houses were broken into, he was on methadone. Yeah. And another reason you might not immediately call the cops right oh yeah there you go there i am mm -hmm. they theorize that as he's robbing Kay's house she unexpectedly walked in obviously knows him could easily identify him and so in order for that not to happen he killed he had to kill her he told detectives that his mom dropped him off at a job site that morning just before 7 a.m he was helping someone paint their house but when they press him on this he admits that's not true he didn't have a job that morning but he didn't want his mom to know that so she she unknowingly dropped him off at his friend Anthony's house. Oh, she just she, he was like, "Come drop me off at this new job," and she was like, "Great." Fine. Yeah, it was it was just a friend's house. The only thing was when police showed up after the contractor called them, Michael was totally clean, no blood on his clothes, nothing. 
obviously he could have cleaned up and changed and done all that, but he didn't have any injuries either. Like no signs of altercation, especially if she had defensive wounds. Like he did not look like he'd been in a fight. Yeah. They asked to see the bottom of his shoes and there's shards of glass in them. And Mm. the glass matched the glass in Kay's back door. They Mm. asked how that got there. And he says he has no idea. Okay. I'll say Carrie, I guess whoever broke in could have had it on his shoe. And it felt, I don't know, who knows. So they bring in or his... Or he was on methadone and he walked into Kay's kind of and said, yeah. I don't want to deal with this. I'm on drugs. Right. Well, he doesn't know. He's yeah. like, I have no idea how that, that got there. They bring in his brother, Chris, to see what he thinks of all this. A little background. Chris and Michael are Becky's two oldest sons from a previous marriage. Even though Michael is the oldest, Chris has his life more put together. He has a real job in a house, whereas Michael is in and out of jail, doing drugs, living at home, you know. Mm-hmm. The morning of Kay's murder, Chris went to the physical therapist's office with Kay to help out. Chris and Michael did this thing every once in a while. Like if there were odd jobs to do around the office, they'd come in and help. On this day, Chris did that. They ask him point blank if he thinks Michael could have done this. And he says, absolutely not. He knows he does drugs, but he does not have it in him to kill someone. And they're like, okay, what about his friends and the people he hangs out with? Are they capable of this? And the detective pulls out a little piece of paper and Chris pauses and goes, you're going to need a bigger piece of paper. <gasps> Whoa. Hey Chris. hey, Chris. Chris is ready to give some names. Mm. Michael had some really sketchy friends, and now he is the number one person of interest. Mm-hmm. All in all, Michael was questioned for three hours. They let him go. After talking to Chris, they let him go, obviously. They bring in Michael's friend, Anthony. To see if he can vouch for the fact that Michael was actually at his house that morning. That's where Becky dropped him off. Anthony is a blast. Oh, okay. We love Anthony. Oh, my God. I want to hang out with him all day. Methadone, shmethadone. (laughs) Actually, that's defamatory. I don't know if he does drugs, but he's just lively and personable. Oh, my God. I was feeling, I was getting bad vibes because, um, he lied about being with Anthony. The son lied about being with Anthony. So I'm like, why is Anthony sketchy? But if he's fun, he's fun. They were like, what were y'all doing, Anthony? And he's just chatting. Um, he's like, he came over. We're just chatting. The The show Angel is on the boob tube. Like, he watches Angel every morning. <laughs> Angel. Angel. When year is this? I remember that. It was like the Buffy vampire spinoff or whatever yeah but i I guess this was the one i was in syndication because it's 2009 oh god you know yeah he's just all chatty chatting with the detective he says that michael got to his house around 6 45 that morning and stayed until 8 27 a.m on the dot oh which is that is precise okay anthony very precise but all in all their stories were very very consistent Hmm. so their their stories match they ask Anthony if he'll do a lie detector test. And he says, sure. He fails. And they tell him that. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not lying. And then he gives his DNA. He's very cooperative. Yeah. He says he, he doesn't know Kay. It, even if he did, he'd never hurt a woman like that. He's, he's just like, I, there's no way. I only kill men. I get yeah. it. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> okay, what well, do you think Michael could do this? And he doesn't jump to Michael's defense like Chris did. Oh, okay. Shit, Michael. He's like, I don't know if he did anything. He probably knows something. People on dope do a lot of stuff. Oh, wow. He's like, he's just not, it was not the same as Chris's reaction at all. Mm. 
he goes on, he's like, y'all figure it out though. I'm sure you have a lot of people's DNA. This idiot's not going to get anything past y'all. Oh. It'll be solved. Just stroking that ego. Yeah. They ex Anthony as a suspect. Thank goodness. He just said, <laughs> God, he had no connection to her anyway. And they loved him. So they're like, you're free to go, but please don't. <laughs> please let's hang out. <laughs> let's crack just... this, solve this together. We got this. Yeah. Tell us what else you know. They talk to Becky and Kay's boss at the physical therapist's office, and he tells them that there was a recent incident on one of the occasions Michael came to the office to help out. Employees noticed that three blank checks were missing and $800 had been stolen. They bring in Becky and Michael and ask him straight up, and he immediately admits it. <gasps> yeah. He admits he stole the money and the checks. Obviously, Becky was mortified, and the boss said he wasn't going to press charges, but Michael was never allowed back. Mm -hmm. obviously yeah reasonable so again detectives learn of this and they're like okay see suspect number one he's stealing money he's on drugs all of this is happening the day of and the day after Kay's murder so these developments are coming yeah. quick mm -hmm. 36 hours after Kay's murder becky was working late finishing payroll she went to lock up the office and was walking to her car when a man jumped out of the bushes shot her in the leg and said quote I want my money or next time it'll be your face and ran off. Oh my God. What money? Okay. Here, take right. it. He didn't take anything. He didn't make her go back in the building. He just ran through the woods behind the office. Mm. She called 911. They took her to the hospital and they were on the hunt for this dude. All she knew was he was in dark clothes and a white baseball hat. It was dark outside too. It was night. Mm -hmm. They found shell casings, but no gun. So now the investigation is really heated, heating up. They have two neighbors, best friends who work at the same place, both mm -hmm. attacked, both houses robbed, one murdered, one shot, all within two days of each other. Yeah. They're like, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Becky's wounds were minor. So Jimmy, the investigator, heads to the hospital to get more information. She tells him again what the shooter said about next time it'll, he'll shoot her in the face. And he's like, all right, what money is he talking about? And she says she has no idea. She doesn't owe anyone money. And he asked, does Michael? And she says, not that I know of. Mm -hmm. But then she really starts defending Michael. She's, she's like, no, he's done with all that. He doesn't know anything. And they're like, okay, well, who hates you? Who do you have issues with? She's like, no one. I have no idea. They ask her if there are any marital problems uh, that they should know about. And she tells them that she and her husband, Tony, did hit a little rough patch. And she admits she was having an affair, but it ended three months ago. They're like, okay, good, noted, but mm -hmm. they don't really press her on it. The next morning, they get a tip from someone who says they are very close to the Sears family, and they know that Becky's having, having an affair with someone, and they know who. Oh, great. They're like, perfect. We're all ears. She's having an affair with David Parsons. <gasps> Kay's what? Like Kay's husband. Kay's husband. It started about six months before Kay's death. Uh-oh fallacious their love letters the whole thing oh god then jimmy gets a call from an inmate named jerry jacobs who wants to talk to him jerry is in jail for a parole violation nothing crazy i can't remember what the charges were but minor mm -hmm. he had seen the news about k parsons and he was really upset about it because he thinks he knows who did it jimmy's like okay who yeah. great and jerry Let's says my sister <gasps> And Jimmy's like, awesome. Who's your sister? And she, he says, Becky Sears. 
Oh my God. It gets so much more fucked up. Hired someone to shoot her own damn leg. Oh, oh God. No, you don't even know the half of it. Oh my God. Okay. Well, tell me everything. I'm going to tell you everything. Jerry knew all about Becky's affair with David. Becky had told him that David was trying to end it and she was very upset about it. She was so upset that she asked Jerry, her brother, if he knew of a way that they could kill Kay and make it, oh look, like God. A, make it look like an accident. She even kind of brainstormed. She said, maybe cut her, cut the brakes on her car. <laughs> Jerry, what? It's just so stupid. She's an idiot and I just don't like her. And cutting brakes on a car, that's so risky. You could just, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, whatever, Becky. Jerry didn't take her seriously. He was all, yeah, we all feel that way sometimes. And she was like, no, I'm being serious. And he was like, oh, okay. In that case, absolutely not. Good luck. They showed Jerry a picture of the hammer used on Kay and asked if he recognized it, but he didn't. Jerry was in jail at the time of the murder, so he definitely didn't do it. That's like the best alibi you can have. Right. But he confirmed to police that it did seem like she was actually shopping around for a killer. Over a fling. Let's I mean, get real. He's never going to leave. That never works out. Yeah. Come on. I mean. Art and love. Let's just move on. Shut up. Ugh. I know. Apparently, a lot of people in the family knew about the affair. Before Jerry went to jail, he was staying with his nephew, Chris, Becky's son. The two were pretty close. And he said Becky called Chris Almost every single night crying about David. Ew. That's what I said. It was was out of here. Jerry said it was exhausting. But my first note was like, ew, mom, I don't want to hear about your sex with the neighbor and how you're sad. I can't. Right. You're married. That's your kid, not your gal pal, not your buddy. Gross. You know who was your buddy? Kay, you little bitch. Yeah. They asked Jerry if Michael knew about the affair. And Jerry was like, I have no idea. They bring Michael back in, and they're really turning up the heat. They're like, tell us about the affair. Tell us if Becky asked you to kill Kay, et cetera. He's there for three hours and does not waver on the fact that he had no idea they were having an affair, and his mom has never asked him to kill Kay or anyone, for that matter. Becky was at work at the time of the murder, so they knew if she she was actually involved, someone else was too. Mm -hmm. And Michael was actually at the house that morning. So... While they're questioning Michael, they revisit the glass at the bottom of the shoe. And he was like, oh, yeah, about that. I remembered something. After Mitch called 911, we walked to the back of Kay's house to look at the shattered door. And I believe Mitch confirmed this. Like, he, he was like, I just wanted to see the back of the house. So I walked back there, walked back to the street. They would have had to confirm that with Mitch, but that's pretty much that. And they let him go for now. Oh. They look at David, obviously. <laughs> And he admits the Mm -hmm. affair, but insists it ended a month before the murder. Becky said three months, by the way. Yeah, as I say, month. Wow. Around that same time, David tells them, Becky came clean to Tony about it. So a month before the murder, they ended the affair. And around that time, Becky told her husband about Mm -hmm. it. Tony, obviously, I'm sure, pissed and heartbroken, called Kay and told her everything. Oh, wow. Okay. Kay should have killed Becky. (laughs) I would have. Kay was also devastated, but decided they'd work through it with one stipulation. Mm -hmm. They had to move. Far away, out of the neighborhood, far away from Becky. Get the hell out. Sure. They're they're house shopping. They're like, needs, three bedroom, two bath, great yard, no backstabbing bitches next door. (laughs) Sure. Wants, wants, updated kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Open floor plan. 
<laughs> yeah. Kate even quit her job to get away from Becky. She was like, we are sure. done. You're dead to me. Yeah. David, however, tells police that he kept in, in touch with Becky, but just as friends. No. Nope. No. Breaking Kay's rules immediately. Fuck He's, no. He swears that nothing physical ever happened again. They Bullshit. would just they would just check in on each other. Nope. As as we've said a hundred times before, sure, Jan. <laughs> right. Detectives said that too. And so they kept pressing David on this. And he admits that the night before Kay's murder, while he was in LA, he and Becky had phone sex for an hour. Ew. No, I'm fine. Not ew. I'm fine with phone sex. Do you? But those two. Ew. You're yeah. conniving and evil. It's effed. I'm sorry. It's also, that may not be physical, but that is a, an affair. You're yes. continuing the cheating. Come on. Come on. When I check in on my friends to see how they're doing, it almost never turns into fun <laughs> sex. <laughs> Sometimes, but not I'm, always. How's the job? How are the kids? How's that fine ass? <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. Gross. The next morning, David said he called Becky again, but this time it was because he was trying to get in touch with Kay and couldn't. So he wanted her to go check on her. No. What? Kay wants nothing to do with your mistress and to get out of here. Don't tell her to come check on me. That's a good way for Becky to get killed. And I wish she had. Listen, you call, that makes no sense. You're calling the mistress and former best friend of your wife to go check on her when she's actively trying to avoid her? No. No, you were calling for more phone sex if you called Becky that day. No way. Right. Or you're an accomplice to this murder and get out of here. We'll get there. He also called Tamara, another friend and neighbor um, that morning to see if she had spoken to Kay and Tamara said no. The obvious suspicion is David involved. Was he really calling Becky because he was worried about Kay or was he calling Becky to say, is it done? The latter is what I'm going with. David insists he has nothing to do with it. He had no idea this was Becky's plan. He also, he said he always calls Kay first thing in the morning when he's away so they could so he could talk to their son before he went to school and they didn't answer so he was genuinely concerned. What I could not find in all my research was if they checked phone records to see if he actually did call Kay yeah. that morning and if she actually didn't answer because she's in Augusta, he's in LA. He would have had to call her at 4 a.m. if he was trying to get talk to their uh-huh. son before school. So did he actually make that call? And did she actually not answer? Because she wasn't dead at that point. So like, uh, I don't understand. Never. Wait, while 4 a.m. Oh, 4 a.m. California time. Yeah. If yeah, he's yeah, in yeah. L.A. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Detec- yeah. No, I couldn't find that. The detectives asked David if Becky could do something like this. And he told them that about a month before the murder, Kay started getting cryptic te- text messages that hinted to an affair. And at the time, David thought it was likely Becky trying to spill the beans so Kay would leave David. I don't know what the text said, but it was hinting in an affair and they appeared to be anonymous. And at this point, Tony had not already told Kay? Yeah, it's around uh, that same time. No, Tony had not told Kay yet. After the text is when Tony soon found out. Mm-hmm. Throughout this entire interview, David is sobbing. He's a wreck. Jimmy is an OG detective and he even starts believing that he's telling the truth. Scumbag husband, sure. Murderer. Not so sure. Mm. So they're wrapping up questioning, and David says one more thing. He said that he asked Becky if she if she had confided in anyone about the affair, and she said, "Yep." She told Chris, her son, which Jerry they already knew that because Jerry was like, "Oh right, 
Detectives dig in more and find that Becky and Chris had a weird-ass mother and son relationship. Chris, the one who's put together? Yeah, he was a real mama's boy. He was Ugh. at her beck and call. Ew. She doted on him and bought him very extravagant gifts like cars, motorcycles, and the house he lived in. She paid for all that. Why not? Why didn't she give this care to Michael? I don't know. How old is Chris? 20. Well, 19 at this point. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought he was like closer to 30. No, he's 19. Uh, Michael's 20. A little bit more acceptable buying like your kid a car and all that at 20. But, yeah, I guess. But it seems like everything came with a price. Michael said every time it was like, hey, Chris, I need this. By the way, here's a new car. Oh, my God. You're a horrible mother. <laughs> yeah. Chris literally did whatever she wanted. Ew. I know. Detectives did notice while they were first interviewing Chris that he was shaking uncontrollably. There's a video of it, and they're, they literally say, I know this is traumatic, but you're trembling like a dog. You are over-nervous. He misses his mommy. You know what? He misses his mama. Ew. I wonder. He, I assume he called her mama through. I, I already know he did. Through adulthood. You know what Chris's response to this trembling like a dog? What? He thinks he has Parkinson's disease. Give me a break. Come on. <laughs> he said he always shakes like this. And side note. The average age of a Parkinson's diagnosis is 60. Anything under 50 is considered young onset. And nothing is impossible, but he's 19. It's just very, very, very unlikely. Right. That a healthy, otherwise healthy 19-year-old would have, yeah, sure. Okay. So they're like, okay, Parkinson's, got it. Moving on. <laughs> okay, and remember, Chris's only alibi for the time of the murder was Becky. So now they're focusing on them and think this is likely a conspiracy between the two. Jerry Jacobs, Becky's brother, calls the police shortly after this and says, hey, remember when I said I didn't recognize the hammer that, that was used to kill Kay? I lied. It's the identical hammer I saw in my sister's garage. Mm. Cops go back to Chris and say, we need to chat more. So Chris comes back to the station, this time not shaking, by the way, mm -hmm. and immediately asks for a lawyer. Becky had motive. Chris had an unwavering loyalty to his mom and access to the weapon. So both were arrested and charged with murder in March 2009. Hmm. They hired brothers, Victor and Jacques Hawk, to rep represent each of them. We'll plug to uh, some defense attorney somewhere in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> Jacques Hawk. Jacques Hawk. At the preliminary hearing, the Hawk brothers say there's no physical evidence linking Chris or Becky to the murder. The fingerprints didn't match. The DNA didn't match them. The hair under Kay's fingernails, not yeah. theirs. They also point out that if you're planning out a murder, as you mentioned in the earlier in the episode, you get a gun, maybe a knife, not a hammer. Oh, hey, Hawks. Hey, Hawk bros. This was clearly a burglary gone wrong, is what they say. Then the state presents their side, and it's a doozy. They had a five-hour recorded interview with Becky taken right after she was arrested. In it, she's talking about how her relationship with, da with David was over. She admits to the phone sex. She goes on to say that she did tell her brother, Jerry, that she wishes Kay was gone. But like in the eyes of a defense attorney, you can easily explain that away. It's like, yeah, yeah when you're heartbroken, you say things. You don't mean them literally. Yeah. yeah. But she keeps talking and digging her hole. She admits that she actually did ask her brother to, if he actually knew someone to kill Kay. She's like, no, I didn't mean that. Then she says that she told Chris it would make her happy if Kay was gone. 
and she knew Chris would do anything to make her happy. Oh my God, this again. I know. This is really the path she starts to go down. She turns the entire thing against her son. <gasps> she said the morning of the murder. Oh she- my God. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Tell me everything. All right. Here we are. <laughs> the morning of the murder, she picked Chris up, brought him back to their house. And he said he was going to go walk over to Kay's house, but he didn't say why. She said it was implied the reason was, quote, to make her happy. But she didn't know what that meant. And she, didn't, she had no idea what he was going to do. A little while later, Chris called her to pick him back up. So she did. And when he got in the car, he had blood on his face and clothes. And she got hysterical asking, what did you do? And he told her, quote, I beat the shit out of her. She's crying, saying that's not what she wanted. This is all in the five-hour interview tape. Um, that's not what she wanted. That's not what she meant for Chris to do. And Kay better be okay. She hopes he didn't do anything drastic. And he's like, chill, it's done, essentially. They go clean Chris up, and she takes she takes his clothes and says she's going to destroy him later. He gets dressed. They go back to work together and pretty much just wait for the phone call to come so they can show up at the crime scene together. So she's just completely throwing him under the bus for the murder but it's like i did help him cover it up oh my god so many words i want to use i would use the c word if it was allowed yeah for real it would be applicable here she's crying at this point saying she wasn't telling him to kill her it was all him bullshit obviously bullshit and like wow yeah wow really don't give a damn about anyone but yourself you turned on your favorite son let's turn on your favorite son after putting him in the world's worst situation i mean he's no angel either trust oh, but obviously but he she put him up to it 100 percent. yeah he so, has no reason becky then goes on to say that they worked together on the cover-up not the murder and they did come up with the amazing plan to throw cops off by, sa- by staging an attack outside of the workplace Chris was the dude in the bushes who jumped out, but he messed up the plan because he was supposed to shoot and miss, but he didn't, <laughs> he didn't mess. He, that he was got, that, that came from within. Yes. It's like, sure, sure. I'll miss you. And yeah. just that resentment. Cause there's gotta be some, but yeah. So he was like, Oh, oops. I messed up. I didn't miss. I got your leg. Oops. I got your skull. Whoopsie. Their defense team tried to get the tape thrown out because there's a huge chunk of time in the middle that's missing because the video's battery died and they didn't realize it for a while. Watergate style, he's like, there's 18 and a half minutes missing. But the judge is like, I don't care. The tape stays. Mm -hmm. Now, Chris and Becky, we're going to go to trial separately. Both eligible for the death penalty. They're pitted against each other and Chris is supposed to go first. But right before the trial, Becky had one more gut punch to Chris's defense. Oh my God. She told authorities where to find Chris's bloody clothes. She had hidden them in the attic of her mom's house. She, she We're getting was, everyone involved up in here. She Ever. was supposed to destroy them, but kept them as a little safety net in case she needed to <gasps> completely screw over her son. Yeah. Can you imagine? You're evil. You're actually the worst. Yeah, you are the, the worst. The goal behind this was to get death penalty off the table for her now your son's definitely gonna get it like i just can't yeah it is mind-blowing where is she she in atlanta yeah i'll tell you in a minute Uh, 
They go to her mom's house, find the backpack where Becky said it would be. And there were clothes, just as she described, and Kay's jewelry was in there. At this point, they're like, no trial. Both, are you, both of you are getting a plea agreement to spare the death penalty. Becky's dumbass plan didn't work. She did not get a lighter sentence than Chris. Both Good. of them got life in prison without the possibility of parole. Chris was 23. Becky was 44 at the time they were sentenced. That is a long-ass life yeah. in jail, in prison. And remember, at the time of the murder, she had kids in daycare. <laughs> like, poor oh, kids. Shit. They're, like, not even going to remember. Yeah. And this day, well, it's good that they don't remember. Oh, what I know. Mean? I just feel bad for the kids. I mean, oh, I'm sure. Oh, uh, is Tony still long haul? Well, he can't be if he's a single parent now. Uh, well, I don't know. They got divorced, obviously. Sure. That that part I know. In the Dateline, they're talking to Michael, who at this time had not seen or talked to his mom. Just done. Good. And he dr he drops one last bomb that when he was accused of stealing that money from the physical therapist's office, it was actually his mom who made him take the heat. Oh, my God. He was like, I didn't steal that, those checks or that money. That was her. And I'm why just, did you have children? I, the absolute worst. You are the worst. Is she in Atlanta? Can I go pay her a visit? She's, I believe, in Augusta, whatever prison. She's, I mean, still alive, life in prison. They determined David had no involvement. And after this, he moved out of state and remarried. Okay. All right. All right, David. And get, so that is the story of Kay Parsons and Becky Sears. And get this, even with all the screwing over of her son, he was not going to testify against her. He wouldn't do it. Oh, that kind of makes me heartbroken for God. Your some loyalty is some, this is some deep rooted shit going on with him. Isn't that insane? That is insane. She's the worst. Absolute worst. It makes me, what happened to her first husband, Chris and Michael's actual dad? Do we know? We don't know. He couldn't have been worse than her. Why did she... I can't, who knows? Oh, God, who knows? I can't even get into it. But wow, that was a very good one. Thank you. Did Payne know them? No, I asked. I even um, did a little stalking. I was like, this high school, because it's not Payne's high school or Barrett's high school, but it's a known one. And he was like, no, I don't know them. Oh my God, that is, he also doesn't remember this going on, even though it was 2009. I'm like, you were, no, he just wasn't listening. I would have been all up in there. That's infuriating. Thank you so much for ruining my day. You're welcome. And y'all, thank y'all for listening. Y'all are there the best. Go. People, People are, the are the worst. worst. Bye. Bye. Bye.